0: Well, ready or not, Christmas is here, and no matter what your life circumstances are, I hope today is a day of great celebration for you. I hope this evening is going to continue the celebration. I hope tomorrow's celebration is even better than today's. today's. I hope you eat the best foods. I hope you eat the best desserts. You drink the best drinks. I hope you spend time with the people you love I hope you laugh, I hope you play games, I hope you watch funny Christmas movies, I hope you give and receive awesome gifts, I hope you enjoy the lights of the rooms of the houses that you're in and you take it all in and you're in the moment rejoicing and smiling because we have so much to celebrate That's why I hope this for you today and for tomorrow. And actually, I don't think we celebrate enough. I think we probably could even celebrate a little bit more. And I want to tell you why. As I was thinking about what I was going to share with you this evening, my mind kept going to John 3.16. This one verse, this one special verse, succinctly summarizes why we have such reason to celebrate this Christmas and every Christmas. So here's the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We see this verse quite a bit, and you're probably familiar with it, but it's really easy because we are familiar with it to actually be unfamiliar with it. We can just kind of gloss over when we read this verse, but there are so many wonderful truths that are in this verse, and I want to share them with you this afternoon, evening. The first is this, for God, those two words tell us that God exists, This is great, great news. If God doesn't exist, and we, like the atheists assert, or we came about from a random mixture of chemicals sometime long ago, then we have absolutely no purpose. Life has no meaning. We just are. We have no more value than a fly that came from the same chemical soup randomly way back when. And then if that's the case, life is absolutely meaningless. But God exists. And since God exists, he must have had a reason for creating us. What was that reason? And if he created us for a purpose, that means... That there must be meaning to life. This is good news. God exists and he has created us for a purpose. And therefore, life isn't meaningless. What's the purpose he created us for? For God so loved the world. God exists, but however, he could be a tyrant of a God, right? He could have created us with a purpose, but that purpose could be horrible. But that's not what we find here in John 3:16. What we find is that God created us to love us. He created us to love us. He created us so that we could receive his love and so that we could love him in return. I'm so glad that God is a God of love. And those two words, you know, he he so loved the world. The Greek words behind those two words are speaking about God's intensity by which he loves us. God's love for you and I is of the intensest kind. John's statement, for God so loved the world, is the statement of purpose for us. It's what we're hardwired to do, to love God, to receive his love, and to love him in return that's our purpose now it goes on right but before i go on let me explain this this is so important there is a christian long ago that said our heart is restless until our heart finds our rest in god we live in a world of restlessness don't we it's all around us it's all around us. There are people that have all, the, all that money can buy, and yet their heart is restless. There are people that have risen to the upper you know, echelons of popularity and power and fame, and yet their heart is restless. There are people who have achieved all that they can achieve in their field of study, and yet their heart is restless. There are people that have traveled the world over, and yet their heart is restless. We live in an age of restlessness because people have failed to find rest in the one place that rest can truly be found. And it's in the perfect love of God. Uh, just this past week and a half, I was talking with the doctor, and he was talking to me about when he lived in Chicago. He worked out at this place where Michael Jordan would come with his trainer and practice. It was Oprah Winfrey's gym. He played basketball with Barack Obama. It was this elite gym that this doctor worked out at. And as I was talking to him, he expressed that he would like to still be playing basketball, but he's afraid of injuring himself. And he's afraid that if he injures himself, then he's not going to be able to work anymore. And if he can't work anymore, then he can't afford his doctor lifestyle. In fact, he's so fearful of getting hurt that he no longer rides his bike in his gated community because he sees how fast the cars drive, you know, go, past, go through his neighborhood. This man is living in Fear. I could tell he was uneasy. Money, success, notoriety, chumming around with the rich and the famous, good looks, and no rest. I pray that this doctor finds rest in the only place that true rest can be found, and that is in the intense, perfect love of God. God exists. He's created us to have The purpose of loving him, receiving his love, loving him in return. But there's still more to celebrate in John 3.16. And I, I want you to check this out. It says in the verse that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. Perish, it means to suffer death. That's what perish means. Now, typically, when we think of that word, we don't think of that word as something to celebrate, but in this case, we should celebrate what this is saying in this verse, because here's what is going to die. Evil is going to perish. The Bible repeatedly tells us that there is a day that is coming when evil in the world will be destroyed by God once and for all. You see, God is not only a loving God, he is a just God, which means justice will eventually come to the world. Evil will eventually get the punishment it deserves. Eventually, evil will be sentenced to eternal death, never to impact this good world again. And all the byproducts of evil, which are suffering, which are war, which are conflict and division and strife and disease and oppression and exploitation, will all be no more. One of my favorite Christmas songs is the Christmas song that we just sang, Joy to the World. And one of the reasons I love this song so much is because in this song, it celebrates God's justice, defeating and removing the curse of evil and death from his good world forever. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. One day the earth is going to be renewed and the curse is going to be reversed. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And it will live eternally. This is wonderful. God, not evil will have the last word. Justice will prevail. It's going to happen. Now... This raises an issue that isn't a cause for celebration, and maybe you've already spotted it. If God's justice is one day going to fall on the world and do away with evil and its nasty effects once and for all, then surely it's going to fall on us too. Because the evil in the world is in every human heart. The reality that evil is in every human heart can be seen by this one simple fact is that we don't even, (laughs) we don't even completely follow the standard we hold others to. For example, I think it's safe to say that everybody here in this room doesn't like to be lied to, and yet everybody in this room has lied I think it's safe to say that none of us like when a person gossips behind our back, and yet we have done the same thing on many occasions. I don't think any of us like to be attacked by an angry person, and yet how many times have we, out of anger, attacked somebody we love? How many times? You see, if we were going to measure ourselves even by our own standard, (laughs) we fail the test. Right, we don't measure up, and that's why the rest of John three sixteen is so critical. And you need to hear this on Christmas Eve, two thousand nineteen. He gave his one and only son. You got to hear this. God is check this out. This is, blows my mind. God is so committed to justice. Sin and evil can't be overlooked. It it has to be judged. Yet his love for us is so great, and his desire to be with us now and to be with us forever, one day on the renewed earth, is so intense that God did the unimaginable. In the person of Jesus God, he took the cost of our sin, the judgment for our sin upon himself, God allowed his justice, his perfect justice, to fall on himself so that he could punish sin without punishing us. With our sin record and the penalty of death removed for, from us, what's left? God's love, grace, forgiveness, life, Life now with God, life forever. Rest in the perfect love of God. That is, John says, for whoever believes. Whoever believes in him. The only way that Jesus' death will count for you is if you're willing to believe in him. It's the only way it will count for you. If you don't believe in Jesus, your sin record, it's still attached to you. It still remains. And God's justice will surely fall on you when Jesus returns as judge. And you will surely be separated from God in his renewed world forever in a place the Bible calls hell. But if you believe in Jesus... If you believe in him, you have nothing to fear because your sin record has been paid in full. It's been removed from you, and you have received Christ's perfect performance record in your place. But you must believe in Jesus. You've got to believe in him. And believing in Jesus is more than just believing that Jesus was a historical person. Believing in Jesus is more than mental assent. It is a transfer of trust to Jesus. Believing in Jesus is trusting that John 3.16 is the truth. And it's committing to serve God with your life, who with his life in such an extraordinary, remarkable way served you. And so this Christmas and every Christmas, you have so much to celebrate. And I pray that you celebrate so hard this evening and tomorrow. And like I said, I don't think you can celebrate enough because God has done the unimaginable. He did it that first Christmas. God is a God of love. He loves you. He exists. He created you for a purpose. He created you with meaning. That meaning and purpose is to love him. It is to receive his love. God is also a God of justice. Praise God because he's returning and he's going to make all things new and reverse the curse. And you don't have to fear that day when his justice falls on the world. If you trust in him, Jesus paid that price for you. Your sin is paid in full. Your future is bright. So celebrate this Christmas. But I have to ask you, have you believed in the one and only Son of God? Is he your Savior? Is he your Lord? If he is not and you have not surrendered your life to him, today is the day to do it. Make it today, make it this Christmas so that you can experience God now and forever. Will you stand with me and pray? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for coming for us. Thank you for pursuing us even when we were rebelling against you and going our own way and doing our own thing. Lord, we are grateful for your extravagant love for us that pursued us. Lord, we're also thankful for your justice, that you will not turn a blind eye to evil, that you will deal with it once and for all. We are grateful for the future, that you will make all things new. And most of all, Lord, we are thankful for the gift of your Son, that allows us uh, to escape your judgment, uh, to pass it with flying colors because our sin is paid for and your perfect performance record is credited to our account. For all who believe, Lord, I pray that if there's any person here today that they would transfer their trust from themselves and to other things to you this Christmas. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.